hello and welcome to the Clean Bill of Wealth podcast for Canadian doctors. I am your host, Galen Nuttall. Join me as I interview doctors and related professionals and talk about what it takes to achieve wealth in this, the Great White North. Not just wealth as measured by a bank account, but also family, faith, and health. Be sure to go to galenhelpsdocs.com. That is G-A-L-E-N. That's how my name is spelled. Helpsdocs.com to get access to my free video series where I uncover the top myths about growing your wealth as a doctor. North of the wall. Now, please enjoy the show. Welcome, Dr. Jordan Anderson, to the Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. Uh, I'm the host, Galen Nuttall. And so just to talk a little bit about Jordan before we get going. Um, so you're a second year family medicine resident at Queen's University, and you're going to be completing your fellowship in sports and exercise medicine at McMaster University next year. And one of the one of the big reasons that I was like, Jordan's got to be on my podcast is that Jordan has summited Mount Kilimanjaro and in two years in a row, uh, ranked the number one MD in Canada in the CrossFit Open, which is amazing on <laughs> any accounts, but also being a doctor at the same time. So welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, and so Jordan and I are not, for anyone who's watching the video uh, you know, on my page, we're not actually sitting in the same room. Jordan's in Kingston and I'm in Belleville. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk today. So Jordan, one of the things that I always want to hear from doctors is, you know, and uh, what is it that has motivated you, like sparked it in you to go to through, you know, this rigorous uh, process to becoming a doctor? What what made what inspired you to do that? Yeah, it's a good question. It's kind of a it's, a, it's a long story, like anybody who kind of goes into medicine, there's always lots of kind of nuances to it. So I kind of got inspired in late in high school. I was one of those kids that didn't know what he wanted to do, but worked hard in school and really liked sciences. And so one of my good friends decided that he wanted to go and try to be a doctor. And so I said, hey, yeah, I mean, why not, right? I mean, it sounds interesting. And uh, as I went more and more through it, I realized that what really drew me to medicine initially, and even still to this day, is I, I mean, I like the sciences. Like, I like that. I like learning about that every single day. But I wanted to be in something that was challenging and that I would have to work really hard at. And the more you work hard at something, the more you're going to get out of it. Um, but something that was new and different every day. Um, something, mm-hmm. I, I worked a job in a lab uh, for a couple summers in university. And it was, it was a good job, but it was really, really monotonous. Like I knew exactly what my week was going to look like down to the minute. And I, I hated, I hated it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to find something that was really challenging, really stimulating, but also that allowed me to have lots of contact with people and get to develop relationships with people in a very kind of intimate and personal way. And I've, uh, I think I've found a nice balance of all that. Um, as I've gone along, um, my family doctor in Regina was, was really important for me growing up and she was always, uh, someone that inspired me. And so I, uh, I always wanted to make the impact in somebody else's life that she made in mine. And I think that's kind of what drew me to family medicine. And I, uh, I mean, we all have good days and bad days, but I love it. Very cool. And your family doctor, I mean, did she help you in the capacity? Like you're, you're very much into sports. Like, was it in that capacity or a different capacity? No, more just how, how she interacted. I mean, she was the family doctor, my, my whole family pretty well. And she was just so, supportive and knowledgeable and knew kind of what was within her scope and what wasn't and um, she was always there for us when we needed us and we always felt like you could go to her with anything and I thought that was just really cool that she gets to go into work every day and do that instead of you know doing something like plotting away in a lab so I figured I had to choose something like that. Mm-hmm. I, in, in terms of the sports stuff uh, I mean I grew up playing sports never really 
all that well, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then I had realized, like I had done the marathon triathlon stuff for a couple of years and I got into CrossFit maybe four or five years ago already um, and learned that I love that community, that the community that works really hard and is passionate about the same things as I am. And so it's really easy to go to work every day when, I mean, your, your staff and your patients all are kind of passionate about the same thing. So it, it makes it pretty easy. Yeah. Well, it's definitely cool. Like I'm hearing that you were looking for something that there was a bit of variety. Like you felt like there oh. was, there was easy to end up in something that would be boring and you were in something where you knew what you were doing down to the minute and looking for some variety. And you had a doctor that inspired you, you know, that had an impact on you. And I think that's pretty fascinating. Like I do hear that from uh, doctors where they love the idea of variety and working with people. And um, that's really cool. And I didn't realize you did triathlons. What, um, what kinds of triathlons were you doing? Uh, I did, I trained for one uh, Olympic okay. triathlon. Um, I did that and then I continued my training from that into doing some half marathons and that kind of stuff, which cool. I enjoyed, but I realized that I'm much more of a people person than someone who can go run by himself for an hour <laughs> and a half or you know, yeah, that kind of stuff. And so yeah. I need to go somewhere where there's, there's people who I can interact with while I'm working out and doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, CrossFit's far more social than marathon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, to say the least. And then, yeah, that's one of the things yeah. I've been doing over the years. Uh, yeah, very cool. Well, I do Olympic distance triathlons every summer. I usually do three or four. And it is pretty fascinating how how lonely. I mean, like, I'm alone, right? Like, the whole time. There's people around, but it's not the most social sport in the world. I mean, it's people yeah. who are willing to spend three hours alone <laughs> doing <laughs> something doing something really rough on their bodies. No, okay. It's uh, it's funny. It's, um yeah, cool. So, um, I mean, so one of the things that I can't help but wonder is, you know, how are you managing to do all this, you know, like, uh, med school resident, uh, you know, you, so you, you were in med school when you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro or? Yeah. So it was kind of right. It was one of the summers right in the middle of it. Yeah. So I can't help but wonder, like, you know, as I was reading your bio and everything, I'm like, man, like I have trouble finding time to go for like a one hour run and I'm not, you know, in, I'm not a resident, I'm not in med school, but so how do you, how do you, what, yeah, what keeps you going and like, how do you, how do you keep it up? I guess. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's a fair question. It's nothing surely I don't even really think about a whole lot. I just kind of go and do it. I think a lot of it is just over the years I've kind of learned and learned how to prioritize what's important to me. So I've learned that if I go for long periods of time without exercising, I start to drive myself crazy. And I mean, obviously you have your responsibilities with work and those aren't going anywhere. And then so you have your, your kind of work time and your non-work time. And I'm in a, I'm in a residency that's pretty, I mean, family medicine is not nearly as strenuous as a lot of other residencies. So I, I kind of use that to my advantage, but um, I just, I find it's a lot of prioritization. Like I know the things that are important to me are exercise and socialization, hanging out with friends and family and that kind of stuff as much as I can. So I put those kind of things first. And then, I mean, everything else kind of, you just kind of squeeze in time for like, I do a lot of meal prep on the weekends to be able to kind of carry myself through the week. And I don't watch a whole lot of Netflix and I get a, get a hard time from a lot of my friends for that because I'm, I'm very out of the loop with a lot of things. Um, but really try to try to keep my focus on things that I'm really passionate about and things that I'm, I'm aware of what kind of keeps me going in life and what is just kind of a time killer. So, um, I've worked, tried to work hard at that over the years to try to separate those two things. And I feel like that's kind of carried me along the way. And it certainly wasn't always easy, especially starting out in med school. And that's a huge, huge stressor, it's a huge stressor. And you feel like you need to make work your life. And obviously you can't, uh, can't go for very long doing that. Yeah, for sure. And 
it's uh, it's interesting you know, to say like you know what you know you've noticed that you know getting the, that getting that exercise and if you go too long without it you start to really see the effect of it and I can definitely sense that like I'll I'll go for a couple weeks without like so I when I'm training I'm going for like long runs on the weekend and runs during the week and a bike and a swim here and there and I don't I don't necessarily notice it so much while I'm doing it but when I stop I, the lack thereof starts to really seep in and I'm like a little bit more irritable, a little bit more tired, like, and, you know, more tired, actually, like, I, I have less energy when I'm not working out, and, um, yeah, and it starts to really creep in, and usually something will happen, and I'll snap out of it, and be like, when's the last time I went for a run, and it's easy, like, since it's so seasonal, and we're in Canada, like, I mean, I can't, I, my next triathlon is, I don't know how many months away right now, sure, like, yeah. like, so, well, I guess it's creeping up by, like, three, four months, so I'm like, oh, I've got all this time, but then, if I try to cram it all in in the last month, it doesn't go too hot. No, certainly not. <laughs> Perfect. And um, so right now you're in residency. So what, you know, what would you say for, um, you know, someone who's listening or watching who is maybe earlier on in residency or in med school? Like, is there something that you think, uh, is there something that you've been able to do either on a daily basis or a general basis that's helped you stay grounded during this? Like, I mean, I follow a lot of different Instagram accounts around um, doctors and a, there's there seems to be a lot of, um, it's coming to the forefront, the work-life balance, mental health of medical practitioners. Uh, it's becoming much and more, I feel, to the top of mind. And do you, what do you feel like you've been able to do to sort of stay grounded or well-rounded or kind of like keep going? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fair question. You're, you're exactly right. I think that's a bit, a bit, it's a lot in the, more on the focus than it used to be for sure. And don't get me wrong. I struggled a lot with that, especially early on in medical school. Like I was kind of alluding to where I kind of shut out all my hobbies and activities and really just focused on school. And mm. um, it, like I said, it didn't go very well. It didn't last very long. And I, I burned out very quickly and was wildly depressed and anxious and that kind of stuff. And I mean, once, once I kind of bounced back from that a little bit, um, I realized that, you know, there's so, there's so much more to life than medicine. Like medicine will always be, it will always, always be there. Medicine is kind of one of the beauties of medicine is that you'll never learn it all. No matter how many books you read or how much you study, there will always be more to know. And so, I mean, medical school will always have lots of checkpoints to make sure you're on track, but just to make sure that you're, you're not, you're, don't let medicine become your identity, I guess would be, mm. would be kind of the short form. Um, make sure, like, I wish I could have told myself in early medical school to keep those hobbies mm. outside of work. And even though you feel like, oh, I should be studying more or I'm not as smart or I'm not working as hard as the people around me to, like you said, to be well-rounded, you need to have other things in your life that you do other than one thing, whether it be CrossFit or medicine or all those kinds of things. Um, so I think, yeah, I think finding lots of things to do and finding out what you're passionate about um, are the two biggest things. Uh, yesterday, I was having a conversation with a medical student. There was a couple of us, um, and they were asking, you know, what should I do during my summers of medical school and that kind of thing. I did research for a couple summers, and again, I found that it just kind of it, it was good and it looks great on my CV, and that's cool. But I found that um, the year or two that I went, I did a bunch of traveling and hung out with lots of friends in the summer. Did so much more for me as a person, mm. and consequently as a physician, than any any amount of research did. So, um, he, I would, yeah, I would say keep your identity outside of medicine as strong as possible for sure. 
Yeah, and that's that's very interesting. Like you said, like there's always going to be more to learn. Like it's not like you're going to get to the bottom of you know what's going <laughs> on in medicine. It's always going to be out there. It's always going to be there. And I found it really interesting. You said, um, "Don't let medicine become your identity." And you know, it's interesting. I interviewed a medical school student recently, and she said similar things. Of you know, when she does, uh, when she reads. Um, she forces herself to get away from the textbooks and get, she reads fiction and she's like, even if I only have time to read one page of a book at the end of a day, I do it. And, um, I think that that seemed, that's a really interesting advice. And then like, there's a lot of pressure, right. To make the CV look good. Like, oh, I've got to keep, you know, I feel like, so I, this is a long time ago, but I was pre-med for a while. And, uh, it was, you know, I feel like a lot of the people I was hanging out with were doing a lot of things like you said over the summers like i gotta beef up that cv and you know at the time there there was starting to, and this is in the states and it was a while ago so there was a shift though from you know it used to be you your undergrad had to be biology chemistry like something super sciencey and that would look really good and all your summers had to be doing like internships at hospitals volunteers whatever and then just keep doing that to impress to get into med school because it was such a big deal like getting in and what I found was there was a shift at the time where I was towards people who had a little bit more of a variety of background because they're like, you know what, as we keep as we keep bringing on people who have all, studied all the same stuff and all the same things, they're like, we're creating sort of like this very homogenous group of physicians. And so when I started, I met a guy who had been in the Air Force for a while and then he became a doctor. I met someone who was like a history major and I was starting to feel, even though I didn't end up pursuing medicine, I started feeling better about myself because I had an undergrad in a Bachelor of Liberal Arts and I was squeezing in my pre-med requirements in the summers. And um, <clears throat> so I think, but I think it was a good shift to move more towards, you know, there's a lot of really great non-super science-y humans that want to become doctors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and is that continued? Like I'm just, I haven't been in it for a long time. So yeah, that, I was actually just going to say, so as I, I'm doing interviews of med students today coming, trying to get into the Queens Family Medicine Residency here. And I, I think one of my kind of criteria in the back of my mind, it's like, are you someone that I'm interested in, that I would go and have a beer with, that I can sit down and have a conversation with? Like, I mean, if you get through med school, you're smart enough to be a resident. And anyone, and there are so many people who are smart enough to get into medical school. And I remember so much of my undergrad was trying to convince everybody else that I'm smart enough. And I would, I would, and so I, I forced myself to do the sciences and I said, I need to do everything that I can to get that background. And I would so much rather, I mean, all things being equal, I would much rather talk to and kind of learn more about the person who's in, like you said, the liberal arts, and just kind of try to understand their perspective of the world and of medicine and that kind of thing. And someone who had a biochem background like I did. So um, I, I think it's definitely trending more and more that way, um, which I think is re a really, really good thing for, for medicine. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's at the end of the day, you know, people are people and people want to connect with people. And, you know, like a lot of the doctors I've talked to, they got into medicine because they wanted to help people. Like, yes, they have a, a, a bent toward science. And, you know, there's maybe certain characteristics around, you know, being quite driven, usually um, the average doctor, I mean, um, <laughs> to be able to get through it all. But I loved what you said about spending so much time proving I'm smart, you know, like, and that's what I felt like it like an undergrad or when I was with hanging out with a lot of pre-meds, it was, I felt like there was this sense of like, I certainly felt super like hyper aware of, oh my gosh, this person was valedictorian or this person was dead. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not any of those things. Like these people look super smart compared to me and you know, all that stuff. And, um, you know, but at the end of the day, and I mean, I'm a big believer in, you know, bedside manner of, 
you know, and I mean, I think there's some studies out there showing it. Well, actually, no, I did hear a study recently. Um, it was, so I was in this big conference for certified financial planners a couple of weeks ago. And they said, which profession do you think has the hardest time saying, I don't know? And I yelled out, doctors. <laughs> and, and a lot of other people did too, actually. He said, oh, most yeah. people say lawyers. <sighs> and I said, uh, but doctors is it. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, like, because I think there's this idea of, you know, you don't like someone's kind of has your, their life in your hands and you don't want to hear like you, the doctor thinks, well, I don't want this person to hear me say, I don't know. But they said that they did a study and they said the people whose doctors did say, I don't know, you know, but I'll figure it out or I don't know, but it doesn't matter. Of sort of thing, uh, they said that the uh, trust factor went way up when the person said, I don't know. And, you know, I have some friends. So my dad's a doctor. I have some friends whose parents are doctors. And you know, they said like, you know, they said like they felt like they were trained to to find a way to get around the I don't knows of, you know, like, well, you know, let's figure, you know, <laughs> rather than saying like, I don't know, it's like, well, let's figure this out or let's, yeah. you know, oh, let me think, you know, and when in fact, just straight up saying like, I don't know, let's figure it out um, to know that these are humans, too. <laughs> For sure. And when people find ways to BS their way around things. And, no, I, I think that's that's a hard part is that that you work so hard and then to to have someone ask you a question and say, I like I have no idea, I will find out, or you know, that kind of thing is is hard and that's hard to have that level of security. But you're right, I think that's what makes that's it's it's hard for us to do, but I think you're right. That's one of the qualities that I think we all strive for and especially for me who's getting closer to the end and the beginning of my training and getting closer and closer to being in the real world it's it's a little bit hard for me to stomach like the more i see the more the more you see the more you realize you don't know and i think that's hard to come to grips with a little bit after you work so hard but that's just the reality. <laughs> yeah and yeah for sure and i've seen there there's a curve i can't remember there's a name for it yes. but it's sort of this like you start off as an amateur and you think you know and then you realize you don't know and then you learn more and you're like, oh, I know a lot. And then you hit this yeah. point where it's like, oh, my God, there's so much more to know. <laughs> like, exactly. can't remember, I don't know, you seem to you're familiar with it. I'm not yeah, what it's right. called, but it's a, and there's also this paradox of like there's like this sweet spot of when people think they know way more than they really do. And they're like hyper confident. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then when people learn more, they actually lose confidence because it's like, oh, now I know how much is out there. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Huge. No. And in my world, like you said, like I really do. I try to I, I keep aware of my like when someone asks me a question and I don't know the answer and it's like first I'm like uh oh like my my gut reaction is oh no this is bad and yeah. I catch myself I'm like this is you know like you said you can BS your way through any like if someone doesn't know like I could pull out all sorts of fancy terms and like you yeah. know boggle someone's mind if they're not a CFP I could like make up all yeah. sorts of stuff and I've seen it happen and uh and I'm like no I have to catch myself in that moment and so like if someone's coming in about something I know I don't know a ton about, I'm like, computer's open, Google's open, <laughs> like yeah. all my stuff's open, let's figure this out. And I say like, you know, there's so much to know and there's it changes so much that it would be a detriment to not, you know, want to discover, you know, if anything's changed or what's new. Um, so that's really cool. Um, yeah. So what's next for you, Jordan? Like what's, what's on the horizon? You know, you're, you got, what do you have? Like a, how many, how much time do you have left as a resident? So I could, in, I could in theory, assuming I passed my exams, um, start practicing as a family doc out anytime after July. So I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to do an extra year of sports medicine at McMaster next year, which I'm really excited about. So in the future, I hope to do some sports medicine and some family medicine among some other things. Um, I'm really, I mean, I really like working with teams and athletes and that kind of thing. So I hope to, to do some of that. I really like working with uh, university athletes and that kind of thing. 
I was uh, I was really lucky. I got to work with Team Canada at the 2017 University Games, which is a, it's a huge competition. It's the second biggest international competition for sport next to the Olympics. And I got to meet lots of lots of really amazing people there and kind of get involved with that. So I hope to do something like that in the future. And obviously, the Olympics is obviously is a huge uh, a huge bar. It's a huge goal, but I would love to to do, to work the Olympics at some point in the future. But that's quite a number of years down the road. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. You got a lot of Olympics in the future to wow. pick from. So yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, to support athletes like that. And what about like last thing I'll ask before we finish is like what is what do you think it is about athletes that's drawn you? I mean, I know you're an athlete, but like what is it that's sort of drawn you to that? It's a good, it's a good question. I think there's a lot of things. I think you were talking about how physicians are often very driven, and athletes are are very very driven population. Um, I found that over time the the patient population that I struggle the most with is the people who are, you know, apathetic or, um, you know, don't really care about their diabetes and, you know, they understand the complications and there's nothing that I can say or do to get them right on track. And I mean, fortunately, athletes are the total opposite end of the spectrum. I thought about going into pediatrics for a long time. I think athletes and pediatrics share a lot of similarities in the sense that they both really just want to get back to normal and get back to, you know, if you're a kid, you're just, you just want to run around and play around where if you're an athlete, you just want to get back to your sport and, um, like I said, very motivated, very driven. Um, and just, like I said, when you have similar interests and you can be very much on the same wavelength with, uh, with the person that's in front of you, it's easy to do your job. Yeah. And I think well, I forgot to ask you about mindset. So I'm going to ask you one more question on mindset. Cool. And definitely, I think that's very cool. Like to work with people who, you know, or not, who are, who are uh, like actively seeking health again and much more in tune with what it's going to take and not so apathetic. Um, when I did my internship at Bellevue, there was a, the doctor running the program, very interesting guy, Dr. Goldfarb, he just retired. And he said that he very much felt like it was almost like a revolving door in the hospital where he, people would come in and he'd patch them up and send them out knowing yep. that they'd be back, <clears throat> knowing that, and that was the nature of the time and the place and the, the nature of that hospital in the area. Um, people tended to end up there if they were people who had chronic issues that weren't that they weren't taking care of. And uh, yeah, he said, this is a Sisyphean task. He's like, you know, have any of you ever heard of Sisyphus and being a Bachelor of Liberal Arts student, I was the only one who raised my hand. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, yeah, the guy who pushed the rock boulder up the hill and to have it roll down every day. And, you know, the, I was very impressed by his dedication to stay at this hospital for I think like 40 something years and just acknowledge that it, it their, their role for a lot of people was we're going to patch you up long enough to get back out into the world before you have to come back again. And knowing that your general health trajectory is not going to be upwards, it's going to be very much rocky. And so, uh, I, yeah, I was like, wow, good for you, man, <laughs> to be mm -hmm. able to keep that going. Um, so mindset, I, I heard you on another podcast a little bit ago. And I mean, when it comes to athletes, like I have learned, I'll say very quickly, like when I'm doing a triathlon and I'm like two hours and change in and I've still got like the run ahead of me and I start saying to them, I have to, I have to be very careful about what I say to myself because I start saying to myself, it's hot. I'm tired. I can't do this. What if this happens? What if that happens? And I know that I have to get back onto like, I can do this. I've trained for this. I'm ready for this. I, I've done it before. And so, uh, I'd be curious to see like, you know, what about the mindset of sport and medicine and like what's, and you climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, like, is there anything around uh, mindset habits that you've acquired over time? Um, it's, it's a good question. I think you're exactly right in terms of the right, like in terms of 
self-talk and that kind of thing. I think about at the gym a lot when you're in the middle of a tough workout or like you said, in the middle of a race and triathlon, it's a lot about what you're saying to yourself. And I find that when my mental health struggles, it's a lot of the self-talk issues that I really struggle with. And fortunately mm-hmm. I've got a lot of really good people in my life to, to help me, help me out with that. Um, I can identify it fortunately fairly well, but it's something that I have to be very conscious of. And um, I'm working on, you know, developing a list of things that I can do when I know I'm in that mindset about how to kind of straighten myself back out. So I know that when, when I'm struggling, I have a little bit of a trajectory and I kind of know what I need to do to get back on track. And I mean, sometimes it takes days or weeks or whatever. Um, but when I'm doing well, like it's a matter of, like I was kind of saying before, like finding out what you're passionate about mm-hmm. um, and doing those things. And again, seeing lots of friends and kind of continuing to, to kind of do those, do those things. And um, I find that naturally when, when you're doing, when you're following your passions, like the, go- like the goals that you set yourself, set for yourself, kind of set themselves. And um, that, like I said, we all have good days and bad days. And if you can, if you can get something out of each and every day, then you will have succeeded. And that looks different whether you have a long day of clinic or if you climb Mount Kilimanjaro. But um, if you get a little bit better every day and by the end of a whole bunch of days, you'll be a lot better. Very cool. So like that incremental progress and knowing yourself well enough to know what's going to keep you in sync and surrounding yourself with people that can help in times. And I mean, a big part of that is being like you're willing to open up about you know, the fact that your self-talk is rocky and you do need help getting through things, which I think is hard for a lot of people to do, especially professionals to, to, to say like, Hey, you know, I don't have it all figured out all the time. Yeah, Yeah, no chance. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Jordan. This has been very fascinating. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, sure thing. And good luck uh, with everything. I look forward to seeing you, uh, you know, like helping out all those Olympic athletes (laughs) 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 and seeing you out there with them. For sure. Cool. Take care. Yeah, thanks so much. Bye. This is your host, Galen Nuttall. Thank you for joining me at A Clean Bill of Wealth, the podcast for Canadian doctors. I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to check out my free video series at galenhelpsdocs.com, where I debunk some of the myths around wealth generation for Canadian doctors. Take care and talk to you soon.